I'm so glad to be here and uh, just humbled uh, that uh, Pastor Ben gave me the opportunity to uh, share this morning. And, um, and I just feel uh, honored and humbled that I can get to share my heart and uh, what I believe the Lord um, has given me for all of us and for me, especially this morning. I want to give a few announcements before I forget. Lent is uh, coming up uh, Wednesday. Pastor Ben had encouraged us last Sunday to um, spend some time in prayer, not just for the sake of uh, giving it up, but that in order to make room and uh, invite God to replace what we are giving up with something that's far more important and far more beneficial for all of us. And as I like to say, um, if we fast, but we don't really get in the Word and pray, it's nothing more than a diet, right? So we really need to incorporate prayer and the Word of God when we decide to fast. And of course, fast comes, as we know, in various different shapes and forms. It could be abstaining from food, different types of food. It could be fasting from um, media. Oop, did I just say that? Right? Uh, Facebook. Some of you probably gladly are doing that already. Uh, it could be anything, anything that you feel attached to, anything that really means something to you because during the fast we need to give up something that is precious, is important for us, something maybe we struggle with and replace that with just really getting the word, spending more time in prayer and inviting the Lord into our lives to replace that with, with Him and His presence, with His joy. So let's uh, seize that moment uh, with Lent coming up and, and do that. Also, a quick reminder that um, March 4th, which is a Wednesday, 6.30, we're going to have another prayer service. How many of you are excited about that? Just me? All right. All right. Thank you. The last one was awesome. The Lord showed up like the, like why would you even be surprised? But this one is going to be awesome. We are praying already for it, and we're believing the Lord to do amazing things. So please mark it in your calendars. Um, if your car does not start up, call Uber. If that doesn't happen, run. If you're not a runner, walk. If you cannot walk, crawl. If you cannot crawl, at least, for God's sake, fall in the right direction, all right? All right, but do something. Be here. God will honor that, and he will bless you amazingly for coming. Uh, because you know what the Bible says, and Jesus says that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Amen. So if you're ever wondering what is God's will for you on Wednesday, March 4th at 6.30, God, Lord, doing prayer service because that's what is called a house of prayer. Amen. All right. Um, before we do anything else, and um, I'm going to tell you very quickly a few things about me for those who don't know me and my family. Uh, we're going to totally surprise you who have his number. I want you to get your phone. Yes, in church, get your phone and text him something important. He is ministering to our young adults right now. He is sorry for not being here. And um, he loves you. He sends his greetings. But I want us to honor our pastor. And I want those of you who have his number or email, can you please get your phone? Say, Pastor Ben, I love you. I, I, I'm praying for you. Thank you for being my pastor. Whatever, whatever you want to do. Uh, so right now we are texting in church. 
So next week, if I get my walking papers, you know why. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's just get our phone numbers. I have actually something typed, so I don't waste too much time and uh, get with the word, but I'm going to press send, which I did. So I already sent him something. But I want all of us to surprise him right now and just tell him how much he means to us. That even I could just totally see him calling Darcy and be like, Darcy, is everything, is everything okay? And she's like, why? And he goes, oh, is, is, is Mario in church? It's, it's, you know, he's supposed to be preaching right now, and I'm getting text messages from you, right? So uh, is, is it okay to have fun in church? Is that okay with you guys? Everyone okay with that? I believe we can have fun in church. So let's have fun in church this morning. And what I mean by that is I want you to participate when I'm preaching because otherwise uh, you hurt my feelings. Uh, and I'm going to go home and cry, and I'll tell my wife, I will never preach again. They hurt my feelings. But I want you to participate. I'm going to probably ask you some questions. And so I want us to all be engaged and, and have fun in church, all right? Is that okay? So let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for, for the fact that we are here in your house, that we can freely worship you, that we can be in your presence, worship you together as brothers and sisters in this amazing country. We thank you for our home church. Right now, Lord, we just pray that you open up our hearts. May our hearts be receptive and sensitive. May we bear fruit as a result, as a response to what we get to hear this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I'm originally from Eastern Europe. So if you imagine the map of, uh, of Europe, down here is the Mediterranean Sea and you have Turkey and Greece. And right here on the east is the Black Sea. So right north of Turkey and Greece and south of Romania, it sandwiched the little country of Bulgaria. Um, I don't know size-wise how big it is. I think it's a little bit smaller than Illinois. Uh, and it has currently probably about seven and a half million people. So from there, in uh, 1997, so that was a long time ago, I moved to came with a missionary visa, and I ministered for about two years or so, a little less than that, in Delaware, in a small town called Newport, which is right next to Wilmington. So if you have a bank account and envelopes, uh, you're probably getting your credit card statements from Wilmington, Delaware. So I was right next to that. Um, and the pastor there had heard about my ministry back home in Bulgaria. I've been uh, a long time part of um, what is the biggest missionary organization in the world. It's called uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Um, we make a joke because every time there is a YWAM conference or school, which is Youth with a Mission, we call it Young Women After Men. Um, it's literally true. Uh, two YWAM Bible colleges, and I wanted to start a ministry that reaches out. Remember, those of you who are actually born, man, that's how old I am. So in the late 90s, with like the X Games and, and all of that, um, extreme sports were really big, you know, Tony Hawk and all that. And um, so I had, a, I had a project how to open a extreme sports, basically a skate park with all the ramps and the crazy things kids do, and use the gospel and, and, and reach them. So he invited me, he said, I have the money, but the only difference is I don't want to do it in your country. I want you to come here. So that's how I ended up here. I ran the program for um, about 1,000 members. And the first year, I think we had about 120 kids who responded to the gospel and, uh, and accepted Jesus. Um, and after 
close to two years, I felt the Lord was moving me to the Chicago suburbs um, to get my bachelor's in uh, biblical studies and, and my minor was in youth ministry. That's where um, I served for about 13 years. Uh, anything, when you're in the ministry, you do anything. So youth ministry, children, I was an associate. That's where I met my wife, um, which I don't have a picture of because you're gonna see her. Uh, most of you have already, and the Lord gave us two wonderful kids. Um, Noah, who is um, going to be eight in April, and uh, Alex, who is back there. You can just totally turn around and look at him and embarrass him. He's waving his hand right now. So he's going to make me look good today because he's changing the slides. He is 12, and he will be 13 in uh, March. So crazy thinking about the fact that I'm going to have a teenager in my home. It's about four and a half months or so, um, I was officially hired as the associate pastor in our church, and I'm so grateful and thankful for, for that as well. So the Lord finally got us out of Illinois, and here we are, uh, and we are we're loving it. So thank you for being so uh, welcoming to our family and, and loving, us, uh, loving on us so much. Uh, as you see, my message today is going to be called, What's Your Boat? Um, and it's going to be a strange uh, message because I'm going to be using a... Um, the beginning of a chapter that usually is used as a more of an introduction to what's coming next. So not much of an expectation that this is what's going to happen, but uh, I felt like I wanted to share that uh, with all of us. Um, and so when I've been preparing, this message has been brewing in me for a long time, to be honest with you, for years, and I kind of wanted to really wrap it up into an actual message, and I feel it's the appropriate time uh, to do that. Uh, it's very personal to me, and I'm going to share with you some personal um, struggles and things I've been through, um, because I'm sure that many of us, if not all of us, have felt or probably feel right now as if God cannot use us, or if we are at a place where we used to be in a ministry, and for whatever reason, we feel like that time has passed. Maybe some of us think, oh, this is for the younger generation, or maybe you were burnt out or burned from ministry or Christianity as a whole. Maybe you've been thinking, maybe church is not for me. I can just, you know, cyber church from home and just, you know, God loves me just the way I am, which is true. You can have many different reasons. Maybe you feel just that you're not worthy. Maybe you feel like, I really want to serve, but I really have nothing to offer. I really don't think I'm really that gifted and talented. Looking around and people who are incredible artists, incredible athletes, people who know media or people who speak well, and, and I just don't measure up. I just don't feel like I have anything like that at all. And so this message is for you and for all of us, including me. Because, and so I'm thinking about the people that God wants to use, the people that Jesus was reaching, the sick, the afflicted, the outcasts. Those are the people that uh, Jesus ministered, right? And chances are these people felt exactly the same way, that they really have nothing. They probably couldn't believe that Jesus would go and would want to touch them and, and pray for them and lay hands on them. And so this message, is, this message is for all of us. But I wanted to start and ask you a few things. You all know what this is, right? What is that? A kayak or 
type of a boat, right? So I couldn't put a boat here, uh, so I just brought this. But imagine this is a boat, which kind of it is, right? So this is a kayak, and I have never been in something like that, um, thinking about like what you do. But what is this? Can you guys tell me what this is? Okay. Anybody else want to try? Because you're wrong. Anybody else? This is actually a boat. Yeah. No, this is a boat, and you will see by the end of the service I'm right. What is this? This is a boat. This is actually, yeah, this is a boat. So by the end of the service, I would either be, or you just send me straight to the mental institution. It's one or the other, right? One or the other. So let's try again. I try, what is this? This is a boat. I wish I have a candy to throw at you. This is a boat. This, I don't, no, this is not a pool pool stick or whatever. This is a boat. And you already know where I'm going with this. My, My son bought it. And some of you that play tennis would say, this is a Roger Federer pro staff racket, which is what it says. But this is actually a boat. And this is a, thank you very much. I'm not the only one that's crazy here. That's good. And this is everything, ladies and gentlemen, that I have on this stage today. It's a boat. This is a boat. It's not what I speak into existence and I call it whatever I want. It's not because I have this hyper faith and I just call it into existence and I call it boat and it's going to turn into boat. This actually in one way, shape or form, it is a boat. Everything you hear, see, hear that you see is a boat. And um, the message that I wanted to share is from Luke 5 verses 1 to 3. Um, and in that setting, we're going to see that Jesus the news about Jesus is spreading out like wildfire everywhere. He's been already ministering. This is the setting. He has been, he's been performing miracles. And what is happening is these people who, who nobody wanted to have anything to do person who actually loves them unconditionally, who wants to be with them, he wants to spend time with them, to them. And that news is spreading like wildfire everywhere. Everywhere people are talking about him. There are crowds that follow him everywhere he goes. It was like his posse. You know, these people who are dirty and smells, and like he would turn around and, and here they are. It's, it's the Jesus entourage. They are Jesus entourage because they follow him where he goes and where they hear where he's going. Actually, people would go and wait for him where he's going to end up. So people are following him. He goes to another place and here they are. Multitudes of people are following him and anticipating where Jesus is going to be. And that's why Jesus came, didn't he? The Bible says that Jesus actually came to minister to people, to set them free. He came to proclaim the gospel. So let's read Luke verses 1 to 3 from chapter 5. And this is what it says there. On the occasion while the crowd was spreading in, was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing on the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat." 
So we see here that um, he goes to this lake, there's people there, and the Bible says that they're pressing on him. So I can just imagine him kind of stepping back or trying to make a little bit of room. Um, I don't know about that. Maybe Jesus was kind of animated and just needed more space. Uh, maybe he just wanted to share a few things and maybe go into ministry, whatever the reason is, but he kind of felt pressed. And you have to understand the reason why that is happening is because these people had never felt the love of God. They wanted to be as close as possible to Jesus. And he knows that, but he needs a little bit of space. And so he's standing there by the lake. And as he's looking at the crown and they're pressing on him, he's, he's, he's going back. He's like, what am I supposed to do? So he's by the edge of the water. You know, not that Jesus can swim because he can just literally walk on water, right? But he chooses, he chooses to use one of the boats and he knows that one of those boats is Simon's boat. And he goes into the boat and he asks him, can you just kind of push off a little bit into the water? And, and scripture says that he sat down in the boat and he talked to the people. In order to understand what is happening, we need to go back to chapter 4. And uh, I'm sorry, I apologize. We need to go back to the previous chapter um, and see... What's, what's happening there, I apologize, um, it's Luke 5, and so in chapter 4, we get a little bit of a background of what is happening until Jesus ends up at the shore of this lake. And so what we see in chapter 4 is Jesus is tempted in the desert. You remember the story how before he really entered ministry, Jesus was tempted and um, he, he passed that test. Uh, and then what happens afterwards is Jesus begins his ministry, and he's literally rejected in his hometown. He's rejected in Nazareth. Because if you remember the story, they were looking at Jesus, and they were like, isn't this the son of Joseph? Like, like what is he coming here across as being the son of God, and, and, and he's claiming to be God himself? So he was not accepted because of their lack of faith. He was literally rejected in Nazareth. What happens next is he heals a man, with an unclean spirit through the chapter. And then we see also that Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law and many others. When I read that, I thought, man, Simon is really changing already for the better. Do you know why I think Simon was already changing for the better? Because he didn't ask Jesus to kill his mother-in-law. He asked him to heal his mother-in-law. So I'm thinking, man, he's already getting Christ-like. This guy is actually, that. I mean, look at this. He's asking Jesus to actually heal his mother-in-law. So, so he's, he's, he's doing good, right? And then the last one is at the end of chapter 4, Jesus preaches in the synagogues, plural. So the setting of the next chapter is that Jesus has already been tempted. He goes and starts his ministry. He's rejected in Nazareth without, instead of being um, negative about it and being depressed or, or feeling like this is not working out without losing. He goes straight to another place. He heals a man with an unclean spirit. And then he, for whatever reason, decides to go and he preaches plural, plural. He preaches in synagogues from one to another. He preaches, he preaches, he preaches. And his entourage is following him everywhere. So it's not like he went to the next chapter, rested, and ready to go. He has been preaching in synagogues, plural, from one place to another. He goes there, and bam, people are waiting for him again. 
So can you imagine Jesus being pressed against the people? And he has already been doing ministry. He's been preaching in churches, plural, from one place to another. He's been healing, touching, laying hands. He's been encouraging. He's been performing miracles. And straight from preaching from one synagogue to another, he takes a walk. Don't forget, back in the day, walking miles and miles, probably days and nights, he goes there. And of course, the entourage is... And the news about Jesus is spreading everywhere. So he's tired. And he goes there in ministry mode. If you ever feel in your life that you are tiring Jesus, he's been doing it for 2,000 years, and he loves you so much that he will never tell you, get out of here, I'm tired, give me some time to flesh. And now that way he's in the spirit, Jesus will never tell you, I'm too tired for you. You have to believe that. This is who he is. He came to save us and to minister to us because he loves us so much. So he looks at the, the crowd and he backs a little bit and excuse. Jesus finds a solution. And he says, I love these people so much. They are so enslaved. He goes to Simon, the same one who he heals his mother-in-law. And he says, you know what? I minister unto him. He's definitely available. I did something for him. Did Jesus do something for you when you're going to say yes? I believe so. I hope so. So he goes to the same one and he says, he gets into the boat and he says, push me a little bit so I can have a little bit of space. And he sits down and he preaches to those for days to arrive at the shore and to hear the words of life, to see love incarnate, to hear news and to know that actually God loves them and cares for them. This is the setting that we find. And so people are pressing on him. He's standing by the lake. He sees two boats. Jesus gets into the little from the shore. Now, what happens when the Bible says that Jesus sat down, it's really important because you probably remember now that I'm talking about this in the story of when Jesus went into the house of Mary, I'm going to go over it into details. But what happened was Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and Jesus taught her. When the rabbi, when the teacher is ready to sit, he was, is ready to teach, he will sit down to, to teach the people. He goes down to their level, and Mary literally sat at his feet. And he wanted to do nothing for that. And, and he said, you know what, you have chosen the better you have chosen the better thing. You can be busy in love me, but the first thing that you need to do for me is something that you need to do for you, and that is to get into a teachable mode in your heart where you are ready for me to teach. So that was the posture that they need to sit down, and it was time to teach. So Jesus is teaching and ministering, goes from one, many things. He goes into the boat, but he doesn't go into the boat just to chill. He doesn't go into the boat just for whatever reason. He goes there again to teach. So he sits down, and the people know that this is the moment they've been waiting for. It is time for me and my friends. It's time for me and my group of people. It's time for me and our church to sit down and be taught by Jesus. That is the setting. This is our Jesus. And so Jesus sits down and he teaches and he speaks words of life. I find it strange that Jesus 
didn't ask the people to move back, would, would you agree with me that if they have been anticipating Jesus' arrival and they've been spreading the news everywhere that Jesus is here, just love to be with him all the time, would you agree with me that if Jesus had asked them to stay back, they would have done that? How many of you think they would have done that? One, two, three people? Yeah, I think so. I think so. If Jesus wanted to ask them, do you think if Jesus wanted to push them, he would have done that? Before answering, because this is a loaded question, I think he would have. Verse 6, I'm going to read those. It says, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, he came forward and said to them, Who do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell on the ground. When Jesus said to those people and to Judas, I am he, he literally uttered a time where God revealed himself to Moses and he asked him, who do I say send me? And what did he say? I am he. When Jesus said, and the Bible says that the power of God hit these people and they went back in, in his presence. And the glory of Jesus was, was revealed because he told them the same words that he told Moses. So what I'm saying here is that if Jesus didn't want to stand back, if he just wanted some space just for the sake of space, if he wanted space for him, for his own comfort, he would have said, I am he, and they would have all fallen back. Because it happened, because it's who he is, because he wanted to do it. If he wanted to reveal his glory and his awesomeness and an amazing presence, he would have done that and they would have fallen all back on their faces flat in the presence and the glory and the power and the might of Jesus. Jesus didn't want to reveal to them how awesome and powerful he is. He didn't want him to have fear of him. He didn't want him for his glory to be, to be revealed in such a way. He wanted to be the intimate and loving, compassionate Jesus. And so he said, I am here as your teacher. And instead of pushing them back, someone's boat that he wanted to use to spread his news. And he went into the boat. And Simon, the same one that had experienced his, his miracle. And I could just imagine the boat slowly drifting. You can see the ripples. And he's going slowly into the water. And all of a sudden, Jesus sits back. Not showing off not pushing them, not scaring them, not showing them his glory. His glory was revealed in a different way. His glory was revealed in a teacher who simply wanted to sit down and spend time with the people that he came to die for. Isn't that just beautiful? Isn't that the Jesus that you fell in love with many, many years ago? When you all of a sudden feel like you don't have observed you and you don't know what to do with your boat, you see what I'm getting with this? When you feel like you don't have a boat in you or you're looking at the church and you're seeing something ugly. All Jesus wants to do is just sit down and talk to you because that's the Jesus I believe in and this is the Jesus that I fell in love with. He just wants to spend time with you and teach you. He knows you've been waiting he knows you've been pressing, and he just wants to come and say, it's okay, I am your teacher, and I just want to spend time with you and, and pour into your heart. That is the Jesus that we all fell in love with. This is the Jesus that our church needs to reveal to this world. 
And so, instead of pushing them back, sat down to teach. And what happened was, asked Simon to use his boat. He looked around, and Jesus knew that he's just about to sit down to carry his message. And this morning, Jesus wants to use your boat to carry his message. He's asking you, it is, if you can imagine in mind that it's just you and Jesus and, and, and he's sitting down and you're sitting at his feet. And all Jesus is asking you is, can I, can I use your boat? Whatever, whatever it is, can I, can I use your boat? Can I use your boat? Do you have something to give him this morning? Because you see, boats come in various shapes and sizes. But everything is a boat, right? Would you agree with me that I'm not crazy? Everything is a boat. And your boat is different than my boat. But when Jesus asked him an incredibly simple question, I am in your boat, push it into the water. I want to use your boat to sit down and teach. It is the same question that he's asking. It's a simple question. Can I use your boat? Push me offshore. I want you to think about what is your boat? Where is your boat? Is it rusty? Is it falling apart? Because Jesus used Simon's boat to carry his message. And Jesus is asking you this morning to use your boat. Have you felt unworthy? Do you maybe feel unworthy right now? Because I have. The course of years of serving the Lord, when I first felt the call in the ministry to preach, and then there will be seasons in my life where I feel very unworthy. You may tell all of us this morning, and most often you tell this to yourself, whether it is out loud or more often in your mind, you're telling yourself, I'm not worthy. You're probably looking at Pastor Ben, who loves the word, doesn't he? And he preaches the Bible like a really good teacher, and I really think and preach, and I'm like, right on. Maybe you're looking at our worship team and, um, and you're thinking, I can't sing like David or I can't play you know, guitar like Nick or whatever it is. I, I, I don't know anything about sound. And you totally feel like you're unworthy and incapable of anything. And you're thinking, I have literally no boat. I have nothing to give to God. I'm lost. Some of you are saying, well, that's not really me because I just don't have that passion. I used to be in ministry, but you know, ministry is messy. And I got hurt. I don't really want to get back into me asking you, what is your boat? I just want to sit in your boat. I want to spend time with you, and I want to use you. It's not that Jesus. It's this Jesus, this one. He's scary. Yes, he is all-powerful. 
but he's this Jesus who just wants to sit down and spend time with you. And he's just telling you, just, just push it just a little bit. Just a little bit. You're going to see the little ripple effects of how God is slowly using you in a gentle way, but for a very, very big impact. Because when you give your boat whatever it looks like, it always is a lot more than you. When you the scripture, it contains a lot more than we first glance at, right? It is the same way of the profound question that Jesus has for you. There was time when I decided that I'm not going to worship, that I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore. I'm not going to go into details, but I remember sitting, I remember sitting at the stairs of my old church and it was like two next door and I wanted to make sure that he doesn't see. I remember walking and, and looking at my watch and I'm like, there's no way he's, and I'm just sitting there and I'm looking at the church and I'm thinking, man, where, where, how, how did I get here? How, how, what, what happened? And I remember there was time when I told the Lord, I, I, I have nothing. And people are messy and people sometimes are ugly. And I, at my boat, which God had called me to teach and preach, I told him, drop mic, no thanks. And I, and I felt so unworthy, and I felt like it wasn't like I committed some kind of, let's put it this way, ministry is messy. Um, but the Lord started sending boat. I remember being in a, at a diner, and like was eating my soup and I'm watching something on my phone because I want to forget about everything. And he said, hey, Mario, he knew me from our old church and, and he grabs his bag of food and leaves. And I'm scrolling down and he comes back and, and he says, I just want to tell you that I have this tape in my truck. I'm a truck driver and I have a tape of one of your messages. And I, like after all these years, and I'm thinking, God, what are the chances that after 10 years, I'm going to be this guy telling me that he has a tape of my message? Like my message was actually worth something and he's going to listen. And I'm thinking, God, what is the chance that today? And I'm thinking, oh, come on, that's not, that can't be true. And I'm living my life and I'm working my secular job. And this family come a husband and a wife from our old church. And they're like, Pastor Mario, I remember this message and I, I haven't asked them. It's not like I want to go and brag or whatever. And they tell me, I remember this message, and this is what you're talking about. And I remember this message, this is what you're talking about. And I remember this. And the Lord just kept sending people after people, telling me, where is your boat, Mario? Where is your boat? Because in the darkest hours, God is going to meet you with people in an incredible way where there is no chance, where there is no chance that this will happen by chance. Because this morning you have a boat and God is asking you, where is your boat? And if you feel absolutely unworthy, when you feel like garbage, when you feel like you don't want to have anything to do with ministry, Jesus wants to sit down with you and tell you that you are worthy, that there is something inside of you that's worth using. You might be mad at God about something that He allowed to happen in your life. And He tells you, get up, come and follow me. Because He have a boat that we're going to push off ashore. Because you are worthy and what I place inside of you is worth 
using. It might not be a message. Maybe it's just a pool stick. There is a guy that uh, I heard of, organization that I'm part of, that used to go to bars, Christian and bars, right? Because, you know, Jesus said we need to be where the sinners are, right? And he was so good that he would go and take a bet, don't judge him, and he would play with people and say, whoever wins stays, whoever loses leaves. And he would be there just beating person after person because he was that good. And when that person is there and they put their five bucks on the table, he will share with them about Jesus. Is this a boat? You betcha it is. It is a boat. I just want to... I'm just a crafty person, you know. But this is your boat because there's a lot of things in our church that you can do. You can go and build a house, come and say... You don't even know me. Why did you come and spend your summer? And they could tell them, well, since you ask, there's this guy, Jesus, and I really, really love him. Can I tell you about him? Maybe you like to write, and you can start a blog, making help with the website of our church. But this is a boat. It definitely is and teach kids to play tennis or gymnastics. Maybe you like wrestling. And you can say, you know what, I'm going to use my gift and I'm going to offer a free class at our church, free of charge, to help people be more healthy. Whatever it is that you have, you have a boat. I'm almost done. But I want you to understand this too. Your boat is important. And your boat is important to carry out his message. You might be thinking, come on, Mario, you're kind of a little bit stretching it here because, you know, being downstairs and being a greeter is not the same as you preaching. Can I go back quickly for just a minute about the water? Remember how Jesus told Peter to get into the boat? Remember how I was telling you that Jesus, if he wanted, he could have told him, I am. And he could have just pushed them all from the power of his presence. And they would be prostrate down on the floor, amazed at what they saw, at the power of his word. The same word that Jesus used to create the whole universe. Do you know why Jesus actually wanted also to go on the boat in the water? And when he sat down to teach and be a teacher, and you can imagine him sitting, and here's the water, here's the, the lake in front of him. I think some of you probably know where I'm going with this. What happens when you speak and there is water in front of you? Can somebody tell me? It carries your voice? Because water has sound-carrying properties. So you see, whatever your boat is, God is going to use it to carry his message. God chose to go in the water because Jesus knows science. And he knew that when he gets into the boat and there is no microphones or whatever, that water is going to carry the message to those hurting people, 
to the people who needed to hear the word of salvation. So I'm not just blowing smoke here, friends. I'm telling you that whatever, whatever your boat is, God wants to literally use it to spread his message. Because if you decide to be a greeter, the first five to ten minutes, any person who walks into the church is going to make a decision if they will ever come back to this church long before they hear the first song and way longer before they hear the message. And your smile and your hug and your hello and your shake and your embrace are going to help them understand and want to be here feeling the love of God, deciding to come and hear the message. So whatever it is that you see here and whatever else, it's not here. I want to tell you that you are worthy. I want to tell you that God hasn't forgotten about you. I remember Pastor Ben telling us some months ago that there's a lot of people doing a lot of ministries and they have a lot on their plate. But there's room for you on the boat. So my prayer for you this morning is that God has been speaking to you this morning. This is your time and your message for you to respond. This is your eatery. This is your restaurant where Jesus is meeting with you this morning. This is your divine appointment where God is telling you, can I use your boat because you're worthy? Can I use your boat because you have so many talents? I have come here for a time such as this to tell you that I want to use your boat. I want to have all of your eyes closed and if you could just bow down for just a second.